Good morning and welcome to A Yarn Live. We have got a great addition to this morning because we're going to be looking at business intelligence, business performance, and all that cool stuff around data. And that cliche that I opened up with in the, in the line was, you know, um, data is a new oil. So how do we actually extract that value from it? And we've got the team from Flock here. So we've got uh, John, Jeff, Mark. Um, and of course, we'll always start off with getting the team to introduce himself AFQY styles. So let's give it a bit of a picture of who you are. And then we'll get into the business and what we're going to talk about today. Thanks very much for being here, team. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good to be here. Cool. So we'll kick off with you, John, being there. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, cool. I'm one of the founders of Flock Consulting. Um, so I've been in the BI game for a, for over a decade now. So it's um, it's something that I uh, quite enjoy. So it's, I'm looking forward to having a good chat and yarn about business intelligence today. Excellent. And um, you, you mentioned you're based in Dunedin, um, the kids and the family? Yep. Yeah, well, we've got kids all over the place now, but... Um... <laughs> Blended <laughs> families? As they, as they grow up and leave and, and fly the coop, so, um, yep, no, still got a few at home, so it keeps, keeps us busy. Awesome. And uh, coming to you, Jeff, with the uh, I Love Data t-shirt. Thank you. Yeah, I thought, thought it might be appropriate for today. Uh, yeah, I'm Jeff, the analytics manager at, at Flock, so uh, focused on uh, the visualization side of it, which is appropriate for today, but also, um, yeah, just helping clients understand their requirements and if, if they need what we're talking about today. Uh, two cats oh. and a wife, no kids. <laughs> My wife's pregnant. Two cats so and a wife. I like it. Expecting in March, so it's pretty exciting. Oh wow! Congrats, congrats! Be a big moment for you both. It will. And um, now over to my colleague in Auckland, Mark Turner, fellow lockdown colleague. Yeah, um, I'm Mark, <laughs> uh, senior consultant at Flock. Um, relatively new to the team, but um, I've worked with them um, in a in a previous consulting life. Um, about. 10 to 12 years in the BI game. So um, obviously something I'm stuck with now. Um, just I take, um, I jump in with Jeff for technical pre-sales um, and then I work all the way through to development and delivery as well. So many hats, keeps it interesting. Awesome. We'd love yeah. to hear it. And um, is there much office banter between the Dunedin and the Auckland office? Oh, this is a bit. These guys um, try to keep up with it, but you know. Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a Dunedinner living in Auckland, so uh, I, I sit on both sides of the fence now. And in fact, all my Auckland mates uh, tease me about the fact that I must be a Blues supporter by this stage, but I'm still uh, still a Highlanders supporter. So hey, thank, thank you very much for being here with us, team. So yeah, the, the background of this is that uh, we had John on our Talanoa um, series, uh, which is still running with more guests coming up. Um, but uh, it was one of the early ones and, of course, uh, had a look at COVID through data visualization. And this is where it really hit me, right? So I've never been much of a numbers person um, and I'm, I'm now running a business and it just struck me how the numbers come to life. Uh, and in a, an example, that had a lot of meaning to me. So, John, do you want to um, give us a bit of a quick recap on that um, the, the session that you did uh, with um, Shane Tong and Lisa and who was the other one, uh, Simon uh, Martin. Have you got that, um, that example yeah, there to give us a bit of context before we launch into the rest of the show? 
I'll bring it up, and I'll, I've kind of, I've obviously updated it since it's kind of come through now. I've updated it, and this is probably, it's probably about a week old at the moment, but um, what we talked about on the day was how understanding the numbers is really about the context, and and numbers don't really mean much until you actually have context on what they relate, how they relate to something. Um, so what we talked about in that, in that session was how these numbers of the latest lockdown and the latest outbreak of the Delta variant and how that compared to the original um, original lockdown. So obviously a lot's happened in the six weeks or so since we spoke. So we, um, at that time, Auckland was still in level four and it's quite interesting now just to see this update of as Auckland moved into level three, we get that context sort of coming out again. Um, and what we showed here was that, you know, those that blue and the red line were those comparisons, the blue line being the original lockdown and the red line being the current one. And it's interesting down here with this longitudinal view of, of daily case numbers on a rolling average, we can see what's happened. And what I guess what everyone anecdotally understands is that since level three in Auckland and that dotted line there, we can see what's happened to daily case numbers. And they've obviously actually gone up more still from there. But, but, but using data visualization just makes it really easy to kind of contextualize and visualize exactly what those numbers mean in relationship to our first lockdown and, and, and what's happening on a daily basis. Yeah. So I can see, even though we haven't zoomed in on one, on one in particular, there's the four on the screen, but you can still see that red line on the top um, left-hand corner um, starting to shoot half up. You know, we had 91 cases, was it 91 or 90 cases, 71 cases? Mm -hmm. Some scary, scary numbers. Yeah. Considering we were at nine at one point, which must be sort of in the at the lowest yes. point that I can see on the screen. So yeah, this is this is what I mean. You know, and those that blue line is the first um, uh, first COVID uh, outbreak, isn't it? So it was quite high, and then it came came down and uh, tailed away. So yeah, mm. some really good context. So now we've got that because that's where that's where we start with this discussion. Um, so now should we have a look at uh, where we're going next? And I think. Probably good, you know, if you think of me as the worst case scenario, um, you know, not being a numbers person, why don't you give us an explanation um, around you know, what is business intelligence and, and data visualization? Let's sort of look at a bit of a definition type situation, if that's okay. Yeah, look, it's quite interesting, you know, um, quite often, and I guess the other guys might get this as well, is that we get asked what we do. And um, I get tongue-tied sometimes trying to actually explain it, and I, I get a lot of grief from my wife every time someone asks me, you know, what does John do? And she puts her heads up and says, oh, no one really understands, to be honest. So... <laughs> At least she didn't say he's yeah. out of the pub all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, look, when it comes to, in a really basic sense, business intelligence is, is the process of taking data from a source system. So um, taking data that's been collected putting it through a process of, of storage and transformation and then producing visualization or reporting at the other end to help people understand um, the data that they're sitting on. So it could be a business, it could be, you know, it could be absolutely anything as we've seen with COVID and um, Jeff's got a number of examples where he's, he's done sports analytics based on fantasy leagues and things like that. So you can literally do anything with, you know, with data, right? And so business intelligence really is that is that big gamut of, of handling and processing data to produce an output that gives you a better ability to make decisions. Um, and it's quite interesting. I've had a number of conversations recently about, you know, oh, you've got business intelligence and then you've got data science and then you've got machine learning and you've got AI and you've got all these kind of things that happen around data. But the, 
really that business intelligence is that all-encompassing, um, uh, I guess, concept of what we do with data. And so, but, so data intelligence, uh, but data science and machine learning and AI and all that sort of comes in underneath it. And it's the it's the umbrella term of of all of that of I guess producing business intelligence and the capability to make better decisions. Awesome. So did you mention sports stats there? Because that was one of the things we uh, in the um, business performance uh, video that we made, uh, one of the discussions that got started by, um, I think it was Dom Pringle from Microsoft, mentioned um, the MBA and um, uh, how uh, Power BI is being used with them. And of course, my, my point was um, yeah, that we love our sports stats. You know, we're about to have the All Blacks play against the Americans. The Americans are the leaders in sports stats. You know, how many breaths did he take in the last two steps? <laughs> they get right into some detail. So, um, you know, is it worth us having a little bit of a? Or before we get into before we get into looking at the business performance and the other areas, the thing that was twigging in my mind was you talked about transforming the data. So you have the data at this end, you have the, the pretty pictures at this end. If you're thinking in my language. And in the middle is where you do all this heavy lifting, that transformation. Um, and I think that's for, for a business person, that's the part that they don't understand or don't have a grasp of is how much uh, or what it takes to take a whole bunch of numbers and turn it into meaningful uh, visualizations at the end. So can you give us a little bit of a um, taste of what transformation is or, or a practical example um, story perhaps? I might throw to Mark for that because that's his... Um... That's his bit. Straight under the bus there. I love it. <laughs> um, in a nutshell, um, I would describe it as capturing um, specific business processes, right? So what are, what are we trying to measure? Um, source systems, um, in a lot of cases, won't be set up to, um, to give you that information out of the box. Um, so it's about collating the different pieces of data, pieces of information from source systems into a into a single platform, um, applying business logic, applying business rules, um, applying thoughts that people have up until this point just kept in their head. You know, I know this works this way because I've been here for 25 years. It's capturing all that really good knowledge and applying it in your data platform, um, massaging the data into a way that can be easily reported on. Nice, yep. And if you're looking at a say a big chunky project, um, what is the sort of time frame? You know, what's the sort of expectation um, the, that a business owner might expect if they're you know, say doing this for the first time and don't know what to expect? Um, and I know it's a bit of a how long's a piece of string, but is there some way you could sort of size and shape that? You know, maybe using a past example to give it a bit of you know, anonymously, obviously, but some way you can size and shape it to say. You expect two days, expect two weeks, you know, what sort of time frame would we be waiting on for? To see, to I see would say it's, it's definitely how long's a piece of string. It's um it comes <laughs> down to the, the systems they use and the more common systems that are used, the faster it can be because the, the patterns are more established. So something like zero, you know, is a well used system, the APIs are well documented and the structure of the data that comes out is 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 more well understood. And so, you know, that might be a, a faster project. And then there's there's really niche systems that, you know, are, are industry specific that no one's really looked at before. Um, or they, the data access might be difficult, that sort of thing. So it yeah. projects for us would range from 
in terms of time frames, you know, anywhere from what four to three years, John, depending on how many pages, you know, <laughs> you do the, right, you do the first yeah. report and then they want the next one and, and, or there's another system that needs to be. Yeah, so not, so, not, not, not meaning the length of time you work for the client. <laughs> or, I mean, like, so, so for example, um, say I was to, cause we've got a social media or a digital marketing example um, that we can look at in the moment, but say, say I was to say, look, I've got um, uh, all my, email marketing, my marketing automation, my social media, um, you know, and it's LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, MailChimp, uh, HubSpot. Um, I want to get a bit of a picture of, you know, what my performance is like and, and how the, um, you know, what the, what the omni-channel experience is like, you know, how many people are using all of those, how many people are reacting from one and going, you know, get an email, click on something, then go and, you know, engage on social media or something like that, you know, is if we're looking at something like that, would that be, you know, sort of get access, take the data, couple of days, couple of weeks to transform it and play with it, mold it, massage it? Um, well, that's the sort of thing I was thinking to give, you know, someone like myself a reasonably practical example that we're, you know, if we're, look, if we're looking at something this big versus something this big, it's going to take us a week versus a yeah. yeah, look, and I think like Jeff said, you know, it, it really depends on what data sources, how many data sources, and then what reporting you want to kick out the other end of it. So it's um, it really is a piece of string. But, you know, something like you you're talking, you know, you, you're definitely in the months, you know, to, to pull things together. It's not necessarily months as in working 40 hours a week kind of thing, but it's definitely, you know, as you work through processes and you and you implement things and you, and, and you engage in iterating reporting and, and things like that you, you, you're definitely talking months of a project yeah yeah but with, within that we'd you know uh, you'd still be able to deliver some results so you might just pick off and start with google analytics and say well here's a here's some analysis on google analytics here's your you know your website clicks and your average visit times and things you know that that could be quite quick but it's it's then goes back into mark's world around the data engineering which is how we how we identify the same person from facebook and google to then build a bit of a story around that person, for example, you know, yeah. when, when did they start with us to click on an ad? Are they engaged with us on social media and, and, you know, and build out that story that would take longer, but you know, you can pick off little chunks along the way so that people can see progress. And I think that's important. You don't want to not see anything for three months. Yeah. So maybe I'm asking the wrong questions because I haven't got the exposure yet. We'll come, why don't we come back to that demo in a moment. So we get you prepared for the demo. Um, but, Coming back to you, Mark, um, you know, data gets talked about being the oil. You know, every business has plenty of data and have been reporting on it for years. So what's different about BI and um, you know, what you guys do? Yeah, I think what makes us different is our approach. Um, we, we come at it from sort of like a, a tool agnostic point of view, right? So, I mean, none of us will shy away from the fact that we've all got our favorites and we've all got our flavors of the month that we want to try but uh, ultimately it comes back to um, what the best fit is for the client right uh, not just now but what's going to be best for them going forward also so yeah. when we talk you know future we talk we're talking cloud um, but really cloud isn't so much isn't the future anymore it's the now it's it's here it's happening um, and that's sort of reflected in what we what we call a modern data platform approach. Um, we like to look at approaches that 
reflect the fundamental principles of a modern data platform that's availability um, so availability of data um, uh, we we think that data should be made available from a range of data sources so whether it be cloud platforms on-premise databases apis as as jeff um, alluded to there we we do a lot of work sourcing data from zero via the apis so it's about the ability to go and grab data from anywhere and bring it into that cloud data platform. Um, and elasticity elasticity is important too. So the ability to scale up on demand, um, you know, there needs to be little to no maintenance required to make things go fast when needed. Um, nobody wants to call up a consultant and said, hey, can you press the turbo button for a sec? I've got a couple of queries I wanna run. Um, that that should happen automatically, right? And it should automatically scale back as well under low demand, because um, that leads to generally a lower cost cost efficient uh, lower cost solution, which is you know a win for everyone. Cool, cool, very good. So um, you know, if I think about um, some of the terminology, you know, you may not have mentioned this yourself, but some of the stuff that um, yeah, the terminology around. Um, data lakes, data warehousing, you know, can you make a little bit of sense of some of that, Jag? Because to me, I've like data lake, data warehouse. We just, you know, it almost seems the same. Um, so how do those things one play and make a difference? I'll throw in another one for you. It's a data lake house. Yeah, yeah, there are data lake houses now, and they sound lovely. Yeah. Well, it's the holidays yeah. coming up, so I hope, I hope you're going to be yeah. beside a lake and a house uh, for Christmas, but, you know. I don't think I'm going anywhere for Christmas, mate. Um, <laughs> so that's that's essentially a combination of the two, right? So the data warehouse is sort of your old, your more traditional approach. So you have your sources, you're going to be transforming, you're going to be presenting some conformed models, your dimensions, your facts, that sort of thing. The data lake is more presenting the data in its, um, in its more raw format and uh, maybe doing a little bit of change capture on that. Um, so that you can go back to any point in time in history, right, and see what see what the source data looked like at that point, um, and not necessarily modeling everything just for the sake of modeling, because that's ultimately the biggest time sink, right? That's where we have to capture our um, capture our business logic, do all of our coding. So sometimes that's not the right approach for all data sources. So the data lake approach is just getting in there, providing access to it, and seeing what insights you can glean from from it in its raw and you know mostly untransformed state. Yeah. So when you talk about the 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 modeling, that's is that back in the days of cubes? Yeah, that's the cubes sort of sit um, would usually sit at the end of the process. So I'm talking more um, your dimensions and your facts, your Kimball methodologies, you know, all that really really fun stuff that. You know, it was good bedtime reading. Okay. Um, well, I think, I think <laughs> cubes I think are gone generally, right? The cubes were based around yeah. on-premise approaches and, and having to structure yeah. your data in a way that your your small server could handle it. Yeah, your, your multi-dimensional ones generally um, are a thing of the past. You, you do often see um, some tabular models still mm -hmm. lying around and um, Power BI in particular. Um, interact with those quite well. Um, but again, I, I, I'd be surprised to see any new cube projects, you know, thrown our way. It's, yeah. it's just not 
I think professionally with the sort of old older methodology, older tooling. Mm. But I think I think I might have geeked out on um, the the uh, back of house stuff enough now, and just thinking maybe John, it's time to um, look at the next demo. You know, um, we were going to have a look at the COVID one. We already had a look at the COVID one. So perhaps do you want to go at the business performance, or do you want to go at the digital marketing and, and use it as a bit of a way to bring all this? Um, I guess. BI uh, discussion together with the, the practical front end of the data visualization that uh, people like myself would enjoy once you guys have done all the heavy lifting in the background. Yeah, I think let's look at, so I've got the digital marketing one here, the demo from, um, <clears throat> that includes Google Analytics, LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, and I think this is a good one to give people an idea on how it might look from a business perspective um, and how I guess you can glean insights and um, and make better decisions from the activities. Um, this is our data, so it's it's probably a little bit different to what people might see from these, obviously, but um, what you're seeing here is um, is a demonstration that we've developed around Google Analytics. Um, so this is pulling data, uh, obviously, out the back end of the Google Analytics APIs. And, and obviously, Google provides a lot of um, these sorts of analysis. But what we get, I guess the, the benefit of what we get in this case is we've got um, we've got the ability to select exactly what we want for our business use case. Um, so obviously when you go into Google Analytics, you're kind of stuck with what you get from there. Here you get to do whatever you want and, and produce whatever analysis you want um, over what time period, you, you know, it's much more easy to, um, to to create that, but there's also the ability to bring things together. So, you know, I'm not going to dwell too much on this, but this is um, this is our Google Analytics dashboard. Um, this gives us an overview of everything that's happening within Google Analytics. Um, funny enough, talking about COVID, this this peak here is actually the last COVID lockdown when I did my first COVID dashboard and put it out there. And this is kind of the activity we saw on the the website when people were really driving to the website to, to check out what the numbers were doing. And you can see as lockdown hit, everyone got really interested and then it sort of went and fluctuated. And then uh, it kind of removes all the, or it shows really good context as to um, what our normal hits are on our website compared to what happened over that period of time. Um, yeah. But if but if I want to, um, you know, I can, I can sort of say, oh, look, you know, I can choose what period I want to look at. So I could say, oh, actually, I just want to look, I want to get rid of that. So I just want to look at the last six, six months. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll do nine months because I think this is old. Um, and I can make these decisions. I can sort of make these changes here on the fly and I can very quickly look at things differently. Um, but also with, with, you know, with these sorts of tools, what I can do is say, I just want to look at down here, I've got, you know, I've got the top 10 pages and I can actually click here and then everything else updates. And if I go through these things, I can actually see, you know, very quickly, yeah. I can make analysis decisions, um, without having to do too much, you know, in the traditional format, you know, if you had a report, you'd have to go back to IT and ask another question or go back to an analyst and say, can you give me this response? You know, whereas here we can kind of just move around the page and make selections and get updates of the information really quickly and easily. It's, it's very, it's very dynamic, isn't it? You know, like I was just thinking you made a point about with Google analytics, you get what you're given from them and uh, this enables you to present it in a meaningful way. And, um, you know, I don't know if, if anyone's happened to looked in Google analytics um, or into um, Facebook analytics. My goodness, I, I get lost in this. And actually, in Facebook, there are so many fields that look like they're the same, but they are different measures. 
and you're like, am I looking at page views, uh, page counts, page what? what? So this this really makes it quite easy to understand uh, as yeah. well. Yeah, and then the other day when we did the, the the video on manufacturing, we talked about the MAD concept. So you know, everything we do, yeah. typically we follow this framework of MAD concept and that's that, that monitor level, the, the detail level, um, the analysis level and then the detail level. And you can see this follows the same sort of process. You know, we've got a dashboard. We can go now and we just, you know, in the dashboard, we're looking at page views and we're looking at users. And then I'm, you know, we can come in and we can go to the user level, sorry, the, pa the page view level. Then we can go down into the user level and we can see specific data around users. And I think this one here, we've actually got a map which shows exactly where, um, and I'm going to clear that off. So we can see exactly where our users and what cities they're, they're coming from. But just that flexibility as well, that conversation around going into Google Analytics and then going into LinkedIn. So, you know, here we're able just to go right now, I've got my Google Analytics, now I can jump into LinkedIn data. And then if I want to go into Facebook data, I don't have to keep jumping in and out and doing, you know, changing things around. We're actually able to kind of bring them all together and um, do analysis on the fly on everything. So um, if you go back to your, your LinkedIn data, place I kind of live in, makes really good sense to me, talks to me. Um, what, is your, what is your LinkedIn data telling us at the moment? If you were to provide us the, the insights, what are, you, what are you seeing there? So, so what I've got here is I've got a line that indicates a post. So every time we do a post. And then the, the gray line here is total followers. So what I can see is that, you know, I've done a series of posts along here. Um, these ones here didn't move the follow account at all, but this one here dramatically moved the follow account. So, no. so I'm I'm getting instant feedback to see that post had a good relationship to the to my community and they or the community there, and they obviously took an interest and thought I'll oh, be good to follow these people. So, um, you know, we can see that our follow account jumped at that point. So that gives me the ability to go, all right, what was that post? So if if we were looking at that, so I'm I'm looking at a post on the 12th of July, 2020. And then I can jump through and I can say, all right, now looking at my posts, um, so the, this isn't going to show it here, 12th of July, actually, it's sitting here. I can see total impressions, we've got that many likes, shares and comments, but I can actually see here exactly what the post was. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that welcoming Jeff to join the team? <laughs> Good work, Jeff. Thank you. Everybody loves Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Nice um, yeah, so that's um, so, but it, but it, you know, if if it was in the context of a marketing team and they were and they were having different response rates of different types of posts, you know, um, you know, I've seen evidence with clients around video posts being being the ones that had the most, you know, moved the needle the most, and so what they then focused more on was the, you know, what was the top five video posts that, that did really well for us? Okay, well. And they can analyze and they can say, what was the theme? What was the, what, what, what did people resonate with? Okay, now we can produce more content similar to that because we've got the evidence that proves that we've actually been successful with those posts. Um, so I think that's, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's you want to know where you're being effective and, and where you're moving the needle. So having that, that feedback really, really quickly and instantly like that can be quite good. And also, you know, because these things are reloaded on a daily basis, you're actually getting instant feedback to something. And I know I know in the marketing world, you know, if, if, if an organic post is, is going, then you can consider then if you want to put some money on it. So if you know instantly or at least quickly that things are, are working well, then you can push them a bit harder as well. Mate, that's awesome. So uh, I want one of these, please. <laughs> Oh, 
before I get too too uh, far into LinkedIn, what, what, uh, one thing I will say is what the results then highlight to me is what I already know is that um, social posts around people will garner a much bigger reaction than heavy business fact posts. So uh, the the data is speaking to my knowledge. So therefore, being a marketing person, I'm immediately going right now. How do I convert all of my sort of you know heavy business uh, focused posts to include people somehow so I can attract that attract the people to my post and therefore I'm gaining the value out of my data visualization so uh, much appreciated um now shall we have a look at uh, the you know the next next cab off the rank having had a look at the practical example so Jeff um you know, on, the, on the business side of things, in the old days, uh, businesses used to have uh, all of the their systems on site with everything moving um, to, uh, to the cloud. So yeah, we're thinking, probably talking about cloud native, are we? Is that um, the sort of terminology we're starting uh, to talk about? And um, you know, systems like Xero, ERP, CRM. You know, how has that changed, and how do you, how does what you do change with it? Uh, yeah, I mean. The old systems, yeah, not old, a lot of legacy clients and systems are on-prem. And so the focus used to be cloud security assessments and migrating to the cloud and, and all that. And, and that's all fine. Those those are the, the projects of five years ago, maybe uh, three years ago, and, and still some today. But most of, the, most of the organizations now are cloud native or are certainly primarily cloud native. And as you say, that's, that's HubSpot as a CRM, it's Salesforce as a CRM. It's um, yeah, zero as a as an accounting tool, and there's there's plenty out there, right? The the adoption of the software as a service means they are cloud native, and the databases and data is in the cloud as well. So, so for us, it's it's extending that the the, the benefit of the cloud from source systems into analytics and reporting, uh, and it just keeps things nice and easy. And you can even then embed your analytics back into these systems if it's all cloud native. So you can end up delivering the analytics back to where your users are. So you can drop a Power BI report in Teams, for example, or in, in an internet page or a portal. Tableau is the same. You can you can drop, uh, embed those visualizations back into Salesforce, for example. And so then not only are you using those source systems every day, you're actually, you've actually got your analytics in the same place. And so you're not necessarily having to go and find the analysis and that sort of thing. So that, that whole cloud e ecosystem extending right through to analytics. Um, for us, you know, it's been quite exciting. Mark will talk about Snowflake and, and the data engineering aspects of cloud. Um, but it just means everyone can go faster and, and uh, yeah, not be hamstrung by some of the old approaches, I would say. Cool. So uh, what was that uh, question we just threw over you, Mark? Or was that Snowflake? Yeah, so I mean, that's just what... Sorry, go on. I was just say, Snowflake's a, um, a brand I've heard of uh, quite regularly, but I haven't quite understood what it does or, or where it fits. So what's the what's the magic to Snowflake? Um, well, they, they're positioned as basically a single a single platform for all, the, all of your data, right? So we talked data lakes, we talked data warehouses, um, future case, you'd be talking uh, some machine learning, some AI. Um, Snowflake positions itself as the single place to bring all that data and provide access to all that data. Um, being cloud native as well, it's um, it's very easy to integrate with existing um, cloud solutions. So, you know, I can I can point Data Factory 
Azure Data Factory at Snowflake, ingest data from a source directly into Snowflake. Um, and also being a cloud service, there's no software, there's no hardware. You just click a button and it's spun up. And I think I timed my um, last um, new environment I set up and it was 12 minutes <laughs> from clicking go and waiting for the email to, hey, I've got the environment here, let's get going. So it's just that speed of delivery that it enables as well, which is really, really powerful. Yeah, I didn't mean to name drop Snowflake. We, we work with Azure and, and AWS well, and Google gonna, as well, but it was an example. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I was just going to ask, because um, we've heard a lot about brands like Xero and HubSpot, which are brands I use, and I'm a small business. But you do work for um, a range of larger businesses, I think also including uh, um, I'll just use the open term of public organizations rather than private, uh, so I won't uh, get into into detail. But you know, much bigger scale, which means that they're using uh, enterprise systems rather than the zeros and HubSpots of the world. So you know, on that note of having just talked about uh, Snowflake, what are some of the um, different um, tools that you use? I think Power BI is probably the one that is the primary. Um, but you know, I'm only assuming. So if I maybe bring that one to you, John. What's the array of uh, sizes of organizations you work with, the sizes of work, and the different tools that you apply, depending on, I guess, the forces for courses, if that's the way to... Yeah, <clears throat> I think that, that, I guess that question leads to a kind of an understanding of the nature of the environment and how it's changed over the last 10 to 15 years. When I first started in, in BI, sort of almost 14 years ago now, it was very much because of a cost and access perspective, BI was very much the, the game of the big organizations because they could afford it and they they could they could afford the, the, the people that it required to implement it and run it. And so, you know, you're, many of us in the, in the team come out of large enterprise gig because that was what it was, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. But look, one of the thing we one of the things we really were um, excited about when we started Flock a couple of two and a half years ago was the the ability now because of the introduction of, you know, if I talk technology, things like um, Power BI have really challenged the game around cost, but also access. And so as Office 365's grown um, and developed over the years, as the technology grown um, you know, then Power BI's Microsoft put a lot into it, but that that means that the other the other I guess technologies have to kind of keep up as well. And so, you know, we we're relatively technology agnostic, but we do have a focus around from a visualize. If I work backwards from a visualization perspective, we work with Power BI and Tableau the majority of the time. And a lot of the time, you say, "Oh, which one's better?" And it's like that, that for us, it's not about which one's better. They're both good. They're both really good and most BI tools are good, um, but we're really focused on the customer and what the requirements are of the customer and both products offer different things. So, um, you know, from a data visualization perspective, it's, it's Tableau and Power BI is sort of our game. Um, we do see the majority in Power BI simply because of the access and, and the cost of it to most organizations. They can just roll it up into Office 365 and they're good to go. And then from a from a backend technology like Jeff was just alluding to, you know, there's there's a lot of things out there and businesses are using different things for different reasons. And so we we end up working across the Azure environment, the AWS environment, there's Google, um, Google Data Studio, there's Snowflake, there's DBT, there's you know, there's all sorts of technologies out there. And we we've got a really good benefit inside the team in that 
we don't have a lot of what I call fanboys. You know, it's it's not about the technology. It's not about owning the technology. It's about owning the result. It's about owning the outcome. And I think what we're really focused on is making sure that the outcome and the choice of technology is based on what the required outcome is, rather than just focusing on the technology. Yeah, which is which is most of my role, to be fair, isn't it? it, it you can't you can't just walk in and say what should we we use. You know, we need to know what are you trying to achieve. What are, your, what are your data sources? Who are your people skills? All that sort of stuff. And then from there, we can say, well, okay, we, we think this is your best approach. And that would be possibly a combination of technologies. So, yeah, yeah, really good. It's, uh, it's really business good requirements first, for sure. Yep. Now, now, talking of fanboys, we've got a new fanboy at Flock. And I shouldn't make it that joke because um, it's not, not the right context, but uh, <laughs> Mark just joined recently. So, um, you're the first person of Auckland in Auckland. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations you very much. To you, Mark, to and John and the team for growing to the point that you're now getting into Auckland. So it's great. Yeah, come on up, come on up and hang out with us. You know, um, we're missing we're missing all our Dunedin mates up here in Auckland. So um, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, one is, uh, how have you found working as, as part of the team remotely? Um, which may be a bit of a maybe a bit of a moot one because we're all working remotely these days anyway. But you know, maybe maybe if you're in Dunedin, you could actually go to a level two cafe, and hang out with the team. Right. Um, and uh, what's the plans for Flock Auckland? Uh, yeah, so what's it like joining a team remotely? Um, I think we're all very much used to the new normal, right? As you said, working remotely, it's it's not difficult anymore. It's not a um, it's not a foreign concept. So, um, you know, previous to this role, I was I was doing it 99% of the time anyway. Um, so, the transition to Flock um, was pretty easy from from that perspective. Um, also, you know, everything was ready to go for me um, on day one. I had my laptop, my keyboard, my mouse, cell phone. Um, I knew what was expected of me in those first couple of days. So, you know, John and Hayden made it pretty pretty straightforward pretty easy to come on board in such an environment um i was intending to go down to christchurch and and meet the rest of the team um i think i've still got that um uh those flights still got that flight New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> so whether or not i use that um to actually go see them or just you know off to hawaii whenever we can remains to be seen <laughs> um yeah but as I said, I've worked with these with these guys before, with a lot of the flock team before, so that made it a lot easier. Also, um, in terms of our plans for Auckland, um, obviously world domination um, is number one. <laughs> but, Everyone's um, name, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but no, we uh, we've just recruited a second Auckland flocker, so uh, that's pretty exciting for everyone. <laughs> that could go. Uh, that could go dangerously long. I was almost going. Almost <laughs> myself before. Oh, the, the, the yeah. puns are. You know, what the, the fuck are you going to do with Auckland? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, they go on and on. But um, yeah, we've we've just recruited, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I get a buddy, which is nice. I get to go hang out. Um, I'm just looking forward to catching up um, for a beer. Really, you know that's. <laughs> Well, here's, here's a little suggestion. Why not make that uh, reuse those um, flight credits to have the uh, first uh, team meeting at the Pig and Whistle in Queenstown? Ooh. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Mark can't talking. come. Well, the rest of us will go. <laughs> or, 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 the, um, Sorry, or, the, or maybe the CAV in Auckland. That's pretty good. Um, almost this, 
yeah, on the same sort of uh, par. Um, but yeah, so it's pretty exciting to have in Auckland and two people. So just give us a quick rundown. We had a bit of a rundown before of um, what you what what you uh, do. So if I'm thinking sales delivery, I think you span across both parts of that. And the new person, what what's the sort of mix there? We're probably about the same. Is that right, um, John? We would probably look to share the role. Um, both look to both look to lead where appropriate. Um, both look to help out with the technical sales um, side of things. Um, Jeff and I work quite closely um, when we're looking at the best fit for new clients um, or existing clients, new projects. So again, very very similar, um, um, very similar role as what I'm currently playing. Yeah, both both very senior senior people <clears throat> in Auckland, so both very technically capable, but also experienced consultants. You know, we we've got a big um, thing in flock and making sure that we're we're continually able to deliver. So we we have quite a we can have quite a bent on senior people in our team that that are that are all really really experienced and, and able to lead as well as deliver. So it, it's, you know, Auckland's no different. So the, our new guy, he's really experienced. We actually, we actually worked together about sort of seven years ago. So he's been in the game a long time. That's the uh, New Zealand BI world in a nutshell too. Though. <laughs> we always... I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, I've got a question I'm going to put up there. So Doug Casement, um, bit of a stalwart of the uh, New Zealand IT industry, has put one up there. So if we're, if we're all experienced, who's going to um, pick up the challenge here and answer how do you best encourage data literacy and users? Is that something you um, typically take care of or is that a yeah. bit of an out, outside the norm? Yeah, it's so I'm big on the data literacy side. So there's some, re, there's, but it was some research a while back um, that sort of led to the, the, the idea that 20, about 24, 25% of people within organisations actually have uh, a high enough data literacy to be able to communicate and understand data effectively. So, you know, it's really important from the ability, you know, and there's this concept of self-service now and, and, and data democratisation and getting getting information out to um, the people within the business so that it's not just the C-suite or the leaders that are making decisions based on data. It's everyone's able to understand data and make decisions. So how we do it, and I guess this all becomes part of the deployment model, I guess, in a, in a, in a reporting project is, is, engage, is the engagement into the business really early. So a project... You know, in the old days, it used to be, you know, you'd say, you go to IT and you'd say, can we deliver this project? And it'd be like, yeah, three months time, we'll deliver a project and they'll deliver something in three months time and no one will, in the business will understand it. No one would have been in the part of the journey. So I have the saying, which is engage early and iterate often. And so that engagement piece with the business and with, with someone in the business that is his ownership with the team in the business so that they're all a part of the process of the development. And so it means more to them. They understand it because they've been engaged in the process. That assists in that, I guess, that top-down approach to getting data literacy into the teams. And then after that, it's just really about engaging the organization into understanding what the the data means and what decisions you can make from it or what, what insights you can garner from it. And it's very much for me, it's about that engagement with the business rather than just giving them something and expecting them to understand it. Yeah, a lot of our projects are just people-focused, training, support and mentoring, uh, you know, good, good design practices. You can, modern tools, you can design visuals to be as eccentric as you like 
you know, uh, so so part of what we coach is keep it simple. Um, and that helps with data literacy. The more complex your visualizations, they might be visually impactful and, and striking. Uh, but if you've got colorful backgrounds and all sorts of things going on just because you can, it, it actually reduces the the impact of the analysis and the story you're trying to tell. So definitely a lot of what we do is, is sort of coaching and, and just raising the technical capability of, of others, uh, but also the reminding them that what they're doing is, is still trying to keep it simple so people focus on the data, not not crazy visuals. So I've been on one of John's um, BI trainings um, going back a wee while now because it was before lockdown. Uh, yep. He came and de delivered training um, to a group of, uh, and I think it's probably about six or seven. And I was one in the class. And yeah, uh, I was probably the least capable and needed more hands-on help from John than anyone because everyone else was a BI person. Uh, but I remember showing one of my uh, spreadsheets where I had color-coded everything. And I looked like this behind me. <laughs> I think every color of the rainbow. And that was one of the key points that, um, that we saw in the demonstration, the training from John that day, uh, two different graphs, but basically the, the same graph. One was one of my awful color rainbows, and you couldn't really tell what was what. And one was John's one done properly or nicely. And um, just like with the COVID graph earlier, it was, was really clear what I was telling us. So, yeah, some really good tips. Um, and, uh, you know, aside from me not being able to drive Power BI like uh, everyone else in that session, I certainly pick up on those concepts of how to make uh, data visualization look really good and communicate. Yeah. And I think if anyone's, you know, like from a project perspective, if you're setting out into business, the other thing is is actually just start really slowly. You know, like, we, I, we suck, we often say, well, before you run, you know, like you don't have to deliver a massive BO project or, or you know, in, in one go, you actually can. And, and, and again, Jeff alluded to it before about picking off and, and, and delivering things, small things early and often can actually help in that process. Because if you, if you try to do too much in one go, it's too much to consume, right? But if you have little snippets of things that build and build and build over time, you actually mature in your BI capability over time. And so a, even a business person that's engaging in this process, they, they've got to mature with their understanding of what BI can deliver. And I think do we trying to do that in one big hit is really, really challenging. So start small, take your time, expect to deliver something over six to 12 months and be okay with that. Because by the end of those six to 12 months, you know, you'll know more and you'll have much better stuff than what you would if you tried to do a big project in one hit. So, um, I mean, that, that sort of talks to, uh, I guess, a little bit about um, you know, how projects can fail if they um, aren't doing, aren't taking that approach. And um, are there other aspects, you know, of how to avoid project failure? Because that's one of the big things around um, IT. I guess this gets included in that IT project failure picture. Um, but are there any other tips or tricks um, or approaches that you would uh, recommend to ensure failure is avoided? I'm a data viz guy, right? So, you know, maybe my, my the guy, other guys might have something, but typically what I see a lot of is businesses saying they need to clean up their data before they do any reporting. And the for me, the, the it's actually the other way around. The modern data visualization tools allow you to be so flexible about how you connect to data. They actually help you in that process. So oh, I would wow. say get a data viz tool over the top of your data before you try to do anything because it will actually help you define 
what you actually need for the reporting, but it'll also also help you identify where there's not clean data. So where these issues, um, you know, we talk about exception reporting a lot. So I would say, if you, even if it's just you and you're not engaging any consultants or anything, just get a data vis tool over your data, pull some data in and visualize it before you try to clean it up without actually looking at it. Um, and that will help in that process of making sure that you really know what you want as an outcome before you go and do a whole lot of data work. That's really interesting yeah. because everyone talks about, I think if you look, you look at any website of any company that does this type of data work, it'll talk about, you know, um, cleaning up your data, having data quality before you start. Uh, so this is almost for me quite a, a, a what moment? Like you've just reversed everything I've ever read and heard about this um, industry, um, but makes good sense. You know, I think you reuse the term exceptions. So if we we're thinking about my LinkedIn data and we look up there and go, I don't have a million followers. Why does it say I've got a million followers? Or you know, something that pops out and you can easily see through the data visualization, something you know not to be true, then it can help identify. So rather than maybe you know boiling the ocean on a data clean, doing it blind, if you if you will, by using data visualization that gives you the site, literally the site and insights um, as to what needs to be cleaned, mm-hmm. and then you may still go and do some other sort of um, hygiene type stuff. Um, the it's you know, sort of minor stuff, but it, this really zooms you in on where the problems are what needs to be fixed if I'm yeah and, and John's not advocating to just connect to something and then make big decisions off it clean <laughs> clean data is absolutely essential but it's it's just about um just just start somewhere start small you know connect to a system and just understand what is in there exactly you know um from a CRM perspective you know what are all my what are all my deals and what stages are they in and then you might see that there's a whole bunch of optional fields that are only sometimes completed. So a good one would be something like a, a closed lost reason in HubSpot. You know, you know, there's a there's a field in there that says when we lose a deal, there's an optional field to put a description in. And if you if if only one in every ten deals that you lose contains some data, then it doesn't help you understand why you're losing and, and potentially what you could do to change that. Um, so profiling the data and saying we're not using this field as, as much as we should and let's try and get some more people inputting data and then that will flow through into the analysis and help us understand just that one field a, a lot more for example excellent well um, just sort of looking at uh, wrapping up we've got a little bit over time um but we might have uh, got, you know picked up some amazing stuff here so i'm just going to bring up a question from another question from doug so have a look at that because it kind of talks to you know maybe the last question you know which is you know you know how do we um help in the process of being clear on the outcomes. You know, Jeff, I think this is one for you to start off with. So how do you how do you help an organization be clear on the outcomes? And again, I don't know if it reflects on, say, a person like a customer like me who doesn't know what they don't know, and you might need to get, you know, hold me by the hand and guide me a little bit, which sort of loops into Doug's question of, um, you know, what are you, what are you recommending uh, for data visualization tools for small to be medium business that may not have internal BI expertise? me um so yeah yeah sort of two different questions but they wrap together if you want to you know i'll give i'll certainly give doug's question a crack which is um gartner gartner do an analysis every year so by default there's there's already someone out there analyzing and looking at all the options in the market and and looking for things like ease of use 
availability of skills in the market, what is the, the future roadmap for that product, and sort of ranking and, and giving you an idea of the, the top tools to choose between. And so annually, um, uh, Microsoft, Tableau are leaders. They're always in the leaders quadrant. Um, there's a, there's others that come and go. So Click, Click is in there as well. Um, it's historically been in there, and we'll, and we'll see if that continues to be the case. Uh, but I mean, absolutely, if you look at just trying to pick something up and start working with it, um, Power BI and Tableau both have really strong communities. They're both known for ease of use. Um, they're both quite accessible in terms of looking for examples of, you know, is that is that something that, that could work for me? Um, but ultimately, it, it does come down to requirements and and um, and that sort of thing. So, you know, we're always happy to have a chat and just talk you through the the similarities and differences of, of different tools and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, but I'd always be looking at, at Tableau and Power BI as the main two. Um, and we know that there's lots of free training resources, so you can you can really learn on your own if you want to. And then you've got a number of people that can help you with training uh, and then specific technical advice and things like that as well. They're just so well used that uh, you know you, you've yeah. got just a wealth of information to help you from free right through to paid resources. Well, um, yeah, picking them up one at a time from my perspective, Power BI. I think everyone has it in their Microsoft stack. You know, I've got it, but I'd probably just need to get John to give me a bit of a one-on-one um, versus a, a group session because uh, I can be a bit slow on the uptake when it's around numbers. Um, but going back to Tableau, I remember back when I was working in enterprise software sales, um, a couple of the uh, big banks picked it up uh, quite quickly, and a friend that I have working in one of them um, run that project for the the bank and was uh, showing what they were doing. And this is back in the early days when Tableau really just popped up on the scene for me at least. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the I think the easiest, most sensible step for me probably be Power BI because I've already got it, and that's maybe one of the strengths of the Microsoft suite. Um, and I think that's what um, all the demos we've seen from the COVID to the um, business performance to the um, digital marketing all created in. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And would that be kind of fair what I've mentioned about the, the two? Yeah, I, would, I would only just challenge that you, you might not have Power BI. You, you think you do oh. because of the Microsoft stack, but it's uh, depending on your enterprise licensing or your licensing model. Um, Power BI desktop is, is free. But if you want to share or automate anything, you'd need to you need licenses. And so sometimes there's a perception that you, you have Power BI and I just need to start using it. Uh, and Gartner mentioned that. That's definitely the Microsoft's approach to enterprise market. It, it generally is included in the, the larger enterprise models. For smaller businesses, I, uh, it's quite often not the case. You know, If you've got an E3 yeah. license, for example, it doesn't include Power BI uh, for sharing to other team members and things. So I'll just caution oh. that slightly. So if, we, if you're a small organization and you, someone's see so you'd have you'd have power bi but you wouldn't be able to share it as a yeah you could, you could do your own analysis so you could so, send out so the power, pdf basically that's how you do it yeah you could take screenshots or a pdf or yeah. something but yeah if you want others to interact with it or if you want to set up in an automated environment where the, the report is looking for new data every day regardless you know you don't have to press any buttons that's cool. what the service does yeah yeah. some security in there and that sort of thing too mobile access there's, there's quite a few reasons to look okay. at that that licensed environment well, too so it's, it's probably not too hard um to, to get started there so look, let's right, have a yeah. think about um closing remarks team so i'm just going to give you a moment to pull together your thoughts as i sort of do a bit of a summary and wrap up in terms of you know we've been looking at data visualization today um i've been 
taking it from a perspective of me being the the average um, business owner, average small business owner. I obviously have enterprise software sales background and, and tech um, enterprise tech background, so I might have tinted it, tainted a little bit like that. But we're trying to get a really good understanding of data visualization, the key attributes, uh, the mechanics in the background, the tools in the background, the approaches, and a bit of a, a bit of a uh, real and practical flavor for it. We've seen in the past the uh, COVID visualization, uh, lockdown performance, which really spoke to me and got me going. Um, we've also done the um, business performance one, which is a video that's uh, in the um, uh, the event um, uh, um, posts. And then today we had a look at the third demo, which was um, digital marketing. And you could just see, you know, the, the clarity of... Um, you know, the data coming to life through these visualizations. So I just want to thank you, team, for taking us through that. We've got Mark in Auckland, who's new on the team, already got a second uh, teammate in Auckland, so um, the flock is growing. Uh, John and Jeff, you're down in Dunedin? I'm Christchurch based. Yeah, I'm part oh, of the Christchurch team. Yeah. Cool. So we've, we've got the Blues, Crusaders and Highlanders all together here. Um, Jeff down in Christchurch and uh, John in Dunedin. So who wants to, shall we kick off with uh, yourself, Jeff, and then we'll work through Mark and close up with John and for closing remarks. What would you share with everyone today? What would be your closing thought for them to take away? Uh, yeah, visualization is is what everyone's doing now. It's not, it's not, it's, it's no longer a, a getting ahead type uh, approach, I would, I would say. You've got to be doing it. Um, you've got to understand your trends. And, and when you're trying to convey information to other people, if you can display that visually and, and bring them along with you, we know that the human brain processes visual information just way faster than tables or lists, you know. So, you know, absolutely look into it. It's, uh, it's I would say it's now a requirement of a business to be doing this. Um, in terms of technologies, you know, there's definitely plenty out there. So we're happy to guide people through at least narrow down that list for them to look at and, and either self-assess or we can help them assess. And we've got a requirements workbook that would help um, people capture their ideas, their data sources and that sort of thing too. So um, I don't know if we've got a public link to that, John, but we can certainly share that. It's a resource that, that we don't complete for you. It's, it's just literally a, a structure to help guide your internal discussions. So I would say um, get in touch with us just just to share that with you and, and then from there you know you can complete that discuss it internally and then um that might help you with your next steps that sounds really good so this is a, a questionnaire that people can fill out themselves yeah. which then you use as a basis of um where to pick up and how to help them um they, they could use yeah. that with anyone anywhere yeah it's just it's just okay. getting their ideas on paper and making sure they agree on the direction they're going so what are our key data sources what are our key kpis what are we trying to achieve? What what do we do currently that we like and don't like about our analysis and reporting? What could we do better? Those those sorts of things. And it, it really does cool. help just move the conversation forward. Nice. Mm. Thank you very much for that, Jeff. And up to you, Mark. So if we um closing remarks. Yeah, um, essentially I would I would just encourage people to explore and, and be curious, right? We've touched on um not boiling the ocean. Um, first up, start small, ask questions of your data, just go grab a visualization tool, point at a data source, and that will start to inform some of the questions you didn't know you had, right? Um, the entire BI landscape can be um, quite overwhelming from, you know, data capture to transformation to visualization, but if, if you were to start anywhere, it would be just 
look at your source data, ask questions, be curious. Nice. I like it. And that leaves us with you, John. Um, so if you can uh, close out the session for us, give us a bit of a, a wrap-up. That would be uh, great, thanks. Cool. Well, look, I'll just reiterate some of the things I said. Um, you know, walk before you run, it kind of goes follows on from Mark. Start small. You know, it's it's it, it's not a race. You know, it's, it's very much, you, you know, take your time, get to understand what's going on in your business and in your data before you try and achieve too much from a data visualization and reporting perspective um, because you'll you'll achieve more over a longer time if you if you take your time and, and, and really understand the process and then what goes with that is engage early and iterate often so engagement into the business is, is a really important part of making sure that you get what you want um, because you're getting the feedback early and you're getting the feedback often but you, but what goes with that is you get you get return engagement on the reporting and the analytics and you get the benefit of, of upskilling people from a data literacy perspective. So I think if, if, I, if there's two things, it's, it's walk before you run and engage earlier and iterate often. Excellent. And um, just got a last comment to, to add up there from uh, Doug who's been asking the questions. So it talks to what Jeff raised um, around some resources on the website and um, you know, covering off all the, the points that you guys have mentioned around walk before you can run, explore or be curious um, and you know, make use of the tools, um, not just the tools from a data visualisation, but this uh, questionnaire that sounds uh, quite uh, excited to have a look at myself now. So I just want to say thank you and um, I'll get you guys to stay on the line when we uh, end the live broadcast because um, we're going to have to do another one of these, I think. One thing we've had is a, a trouble with LinkedIn, so it hasn't broadcast to LinkedIn, and I've tried to fix it, but it, I, I can't. So that's obviously one thing. So I will load up the um, YouTube version into the LinkedIn event for those people that missed it. And we've also um, gone over time by 30 minutes. So we're going to do a take two. We're going to look at some of these um, points again in, de in, in depth especially uh, this form. So maybe we'll start with the form and take it through, uh, but we'll make sure we get the LinkedIn working for everyone. But I think we've got a great session, captured some amazing uh, information, and I've really got a, a, a much deeper understanding of BI. So I'm feeling more confident as a business owner myself to start looking at ways to uh, engage uh, data visualization to um, you know, turn that uh, data into oil for myself because if I can get the insights about my business, like I've seen about the business performance, the uh, digital marketing, and initially that COVID example, then I'm now really feeling like I, I want to see my data visualized to see what it, it stands up and, and tells me. So uh, thank you very much, team. And with that, we'll call it Kaki Tiano for today for everyone out there. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks. Cool. Thanks very much, team.